Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us as we get in the Word of God each day, talk about it, pray about it, allow it to transform our lives. It's true, and you better believe it, because it can change your life, and if you don't, you're missing out. You know, a lot of young people, our, our Christian evangelism and our Christian churches have become so feelings-oriented that sometimes there's really significant truth that the people aren't being taught. Now, it's not that anyone's hiding it. It's just it doesn't get prioritized in the few messages that churches have the opportunity to give each week. You know, one sermon a week, that's all you get often, so, which is, by the way, one reason we get here every day, because there's so much more of the Word to learn than you can possibly learn in, in just once a week a sermon or a, uh, that in a small group. I want to talk about some things this week in the area of apologetics about Jesus Christ, truths about Jesus that are true no matter how you feel about it. These are realities. These are facts about Jesus that we want to be seeing that really put him in a league of his own. And today we want to talk about prophecy. Do you realize, and I didn't realize this for a long time, that of all the great religious leaders out there, Jesus Christ is the only one whose life was prophesied in advance, hundreds of years before he came to earth. And we know this because the Old Testament was completed in 450 BC. But if people question that date, we do know that there was an entire translation made called the Septuagint from Hebrew into Greek in 250 BC, 250 years before Jesus Christ came, BC is standing before Christ. So what we're going to talk about today are all prophecies that were made at least 250 years that we know of, actually 450 years, and some of them, a lot of them that we'll talk about today are seven to 800 years before Jesus came. Now you stop and think about that. Our country has only been a country for less than 300 years since the Declaration of Independence, about 250 or so, right? Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. That was less than 700. All, mostly all these prophecies today are, were further time frame than what we're going to think of when Columbus came to America. It's been a long time, folks. These prophecies were pretty amazing. Let's look at some of them. There was a fellow named Peter Stoner, and he was a professor at Westmont College out in Santa Barbara, California. And he was interested in this, and he took his, his uh, graduate class studying statistics. And they figured out, and they did a lot of research, what are the probabilities of, they took just eight of the prophecies Jesus Christ fulfilled, and they weren't controversial prophecies. Like, you know, the controversial ones are like Isaiah 7, 14 that says he'd be born of a virgin. Now, you know, people say, well, how can you prove that? Well, we really can't. Or even prophecies that would say, like, for instance, Isaiah 53, that he would rise from the dead, or, or Psalm 16, that he would come back to life, from, that, that he'd live forever. Well, again, you might argue about the, the resurrection because that was a miracle. But we're going to look at eight prophecies that Dr. Peter, had, Dr. Peter Stoner had his class look into and figure out what's the probability, what are the odds of people performing this, and then we'd look at what are the odds of one person fulfilling these, 
And these are, like we said, non-controversial. Here are the eight. And by the way, I'll link in the description below, I'll link the references to these verses, okay? Uh, what are the eight? Number one, that he'd be born in Bethlehem. It's not controversial. No one argues about that. That he'd be preceded by a, a messenger. This was John the Baptist. That he would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Yes. Now, this is one he could have figured out on his own. The first two he couldn't. He couldn't figure out where he was going to be born. And that other and some of these prophecies we'll see were beyond his ability to manipulate. This one he could have done on his own. We'll grant you that. But how about this? He would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. His enemies would bribe Judas to betray him for 30 pieces. It gives us the exact amount, 30 pieces of silver. The betrayal money, number five, the betrayal money would be thrown into the house of the Lord and then used to buy a potter's field. Again, this would have been out of his control that Judas, after he realized what he'd done and regretted it deeply, he wanted to return the money. They wouldn't accept it. He threw it he threw it into the house of the Lord. He threw it back at the ruling Jews who had betrayed Jesus, the Sanhedrin. And then they didn't want it because it was blood money. So they took it to buy a potter's field that people would be buried in, uh, indigent, etc. Six, he would be silent before his accusers. Again, this is one that he could choose on his own. It's one highly unlikely. Who in the world, when accused of things, and you know it would even lead to death, would stay there silently? His hands and his feet would be pierced. This comes from Psalm 22, a form. This, of course, how Jesus was executed, crucified, his hands and his feet pierced. This was hundreds of years before crucifixion was even, this prophecy was made hundreds of years before crucifixion even became a form of execution. And yet it was prophesied in Psalm 22. And I might add, Psalm 22 is filled with prophecies of, the, of the, the crucifixion of Jesus. And finally, that he would be crucified between thieves. All right? Now, these aren't that controversial, and I've never met anyone who really argues them, not even a skeptic who would, you know, they'll grant you these. But Dr. Stoner did an interesting thing. He figured out what are the odds, and this, his class had this project for this semester, what are the odds? And they figured out, you know, like how many people have ever ridden in Jerusalem on a donkey out of all the people who have ever lived? How many people have been betrayed for, for um, uh, money? And they, they just came up with certain estimates. They tried to be as conservative as they could be. And what they came up with as the odds of anyone fulfilling these by chance was a number so big, it was one, I can't even pronounce this number, but it was one in 10 followed by 17 zeros, 10 to the 17th power. Wow, that's a big number. That number, at least for the time being, is bigger than our national debt, my friends. That's a huge number. And to get their head around how big of a number this is, what they did was they, they tried to come up with a, 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 a word picture, a model of how, the, how big this number is. And they concluded that the way to do it, they said, cover the state of Texas with silver dollars two feet deep. Now, Texas is a big state. If you don't believe that, just ask a Texan. He'll tell you. Texas is a big state. It's the biggest state in the you know, lower 48. 
I've driven across Texas from one end to the other. We did it in one day, 868 miles, if I'm not mistaken. That's a big state. And that's just east to west, not even considering north to south. If you cover that entire state two feet deep with silver dollars, is what they said, mix them all up, have someone, you know, drop someone from outer space and he lands somewhere in Texas. And, the, and wherever he lands, he bends down and he picks up that one. And all these silver dollars are the same date except one is unique or one's, you know, got something painted on it or something. One's unique. And you drop someone in from outer space, and he reaches down, and he picks up the one he lands on. His odds of picking up the right one would be the same as 1 in 10 to the 17th, which would be the same as one man by mere chance fulfilling these prophecies of Jesus. Folks, people, t- I don't know anyone who would take those odds in a, in a bet. I don't know anyone who would bet even $1,000 that they would win if their odds are winning or 1 in 10 to the 17th power. I don't know anyone who would bet everything they've got on it, but I run into people all the time betting their soul on it, betting their soul that Jesus isn't the Messiah, that Jesus is just another great teacher, that he's just another religious figure, that he's just like any number of other people. No one else did this. No one else fulfilled prophecies. No one, Muhammad, he wasn't prophesied. Buddha wasn't prophesied. Christian wasn't prophesied. None of these people were prophesied. You could say John the Baptist was because he was the forerunner of Jesus. He was prophesied, but only in relation to Jesus. Only Jesus Christ, because only God knows the end from the beginning. Only God knows what's going to happen, and only God can declare it. Now, it's interesting to me, though, that this gives us a a, a basis to say, wow, there is something unique about Jesus. But prophecy isn't just for us to win an argument. Prophecy isn't just for us to run circles around someone and seem like we're smarter than them. And prophecy is made to help us recognize the Messiah when he came, and nowadays the second coming, to help us recognize who would he be, how could we know. We're warned not to follow false prophets, but there's evidence of the real prophet, the real Messiah. How could we know? And Isaiah 53 is a powerful, powerful scripture. It's, to me, one of the most beautiful prophecies of the coming of Christ. This is not one that you can use to, shall we say, prove scientifically or mathematically the impossibility of any other person other than Jesus fulfilling these. And again, as I, with this illustration, there's never been a person fulfilled those eight prophecies, never in the history of the world other than Jesus. The odds of anyone fulfilling by chance are astronomical. But he did. You'd have a better chance of winning the Super Lotto jackpot like two, three weeks in a row, not just in a lifetime, in a row, than of Jesus fulfilling these prophecies. But let's read what it says in Isaiah 53. This whole chapter is good. I just want to read from verses 4 through 6. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. 
Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Who's this talking about? This was written 750 years before Jesus came to earth. Who's it talking about? Can I share a couple quick stories? I was at University of California, San Diego several years ago, and there was a, a Jewish fella who was quite arrogant, thought he knew, had all the answers, would speak a lot, listen little, uh, constantly interrupting, constantly telling me why I was wrong. And there's a large crowd gathered. And what do you do in a case like that? Well, I don't like to just win an argument, but sometimes you got to. And so I said, can I just read you something out of the Bible? And he, he relented, said, go ahead. And I read this very section. I said, who's that talking about? These were his exact words. He said, well, obviously that's talking about Jesus, but I already told you, we don't believe the New Testament. What? Who's that talking about? He said, obviously Jesus, but we don't believe, we Jews don't believe the New Testament. Well, he'd walked right into my trap, had he not? And I pointed out to him, I said, these, you're right, it is about Jesus, but this is not the New Testament. This is from the prophet Isaiah, 750 years before Jesus came. This is from your scripture, the prophet Isaiah. Without taking a breath and missing a beat, he said, yeah, but that's not what it says in the Hebrew. Again, the guy had no idea. I was writing to, I was, last time I went to Israel, I happened to be sitting next to a guy, a rabbi who happened to be uh, the, the leader of an organization called the, the Center for Religious Zionism. And he knew his Old Testament. Oh my goodness, did he know his scripture. And we were talking about a number of scriptures and actually it was quite enlightening for me. I really enjoyed his as he explained some things to me about the prophet Isaiah or Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal. But I asked him, I said, let's look at Isaiah 53. And before we even opened it, he said, well, I'll admit that that chapter is problematic. That's what the word he used. He didn't want to believe in Jesus. That chapter, he said, is problematic. And he didn't want to go there. My friends, if you won't believe in Jesus, this is a problematic chapter. Because this is where it shows that Jesus is that Messiah, the, the, the sacrificial lamb who bore our sins upon the cross. I have a friend who, who has these four verses printed up in a little card. And often he'll just ask a person. I, I was with him in a restaurant. He handed it to our server. And he said, can I ask you to read this and tell me who you think it's talking about? And she read it, and she said, oh, that's, that's talking about Jesus. And he said, do you realize that was written 750 years before Jesus was born? Her jaw dropped to the ground, her eyes bugged out. She said, you're kidding me. Really? Folks, it's pretty amazing. We are in a, we have so much evidence. Now, I'm not against feeling faith, but our faith isn't based on our feelings. And I'm not against helping a person to feel forgiven and to feel loved. All these things are fine. But our faith has a solid foundation. God has given us reasons to believe in Jesus Christ. You might want to print up that little card, hand it out to people where you're at, and just ask them, who do you think this is talking about? They'll read it, and they very likely say Jesus. And inform them when it was written, they'll be shocked too. This, by the way, was the scripture... 
when Jesus was encountered the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts, not Philip, Jesus, Philip encountered the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. And this uh, man from Ethiopia was trying to find God. And this was the exact scripture he was reading when Philip encountered him. And beginning from that scripture, Philip preached Jesus to him, and this man came to Christ. Folks, it's pretty awesome what we have, pretty awesome who our Savior is, pretty awesome how the Christian faith appeals not only to our feelings and our spirit, but to our mind, our intellect. That's why I say Christianity is for a thinking person. It's true. You better believe it. Father, we thank you for the amazing truths that you give us in the Bible. It is a treasure to be mined, this scripture. There's so much here that's to be, that, that Lord, so many of us don't know about. There's so much to learn, to know. We thank you, Jesus, for the prophecies you fulfilled. Thank you for the way you are the truth. Thank you that you, you have fulfilled these prophecies. And if anyone questions or doubts, we can go there and we can see what you have done. Jesus, we proclaim and agree and declare you are the Messiah. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. We believe that. We trust that. We believe that you were sent from the Father to save the world. And we cooperate. We believe. We join in. We follow. We love you. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. You are the promised one. And we declare it. And we believe it. Thank you. And this day, this day, we walk in the faith that our Savior, you are more than a feeling. You are the truth. And for this, we thank and bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Hey, isn't this cool? Again, you know what? The, the, a lot of people don't know these things. There's so much truth in the Bible. We study these type things when we go to Israel. Maybe you've would like to get out after all these mandates and lockdowns and everything. Maybe go to Israel with us next uh, February, and we'll talk about things like this. We'll go to places where these prophecies were made and or fulfilled as we talk about the life of Jesus right there. And also, I want to encourage you to come back every day. There's so much in this Bible to learn. It's such a treasure. And as I said earlier, you, you, you can't get all of what you ought to be getting if you only get it like once a week. That's why we're here every day, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time, or you can watch the, the, the YouTube later, or you can li listen and download the podcast, the op, Apple, Spotify, or Google platforms. But folks, we need to get in the Word of God every day, and what a privilege it is. There's so much to learn, and I hope you'll join us. So if you're new, hit the subscribe, notify button, tell me where you're from, like the video, introduce yourself, join our community. If you're here every day, God bless you. I love you guys, and I'm so glad you're here. Make sure and tell your friends. And meanwhile, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. And until then, might the Lord bless you, keep you, strengthen you, fill you with his love, his peace, and his joy. Amen? All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.